this is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God and speak a word that will change my life forever. Thank you, Greg. We're going to be in uh, two places this morning, in Romans chapter 1 and in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11. Romans chapter 1, that's in the New Testament. If you're new, I don't assume everybody knows where everything is in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. And in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. If you missed last week, um, we began a new series entitled, Be Sure Your Family is Saved. Be Sure Your Family is Saved. This is coming off of a previous series entitled, Be Sure You're Saved. And I remember, uh, well, I knew we got these notes uh, from our senior pastor, our home church in Anaheim, California, and he gives us much liberty to speak on what God is speaking to us personally. But he'd asked that we would do these two series because of the emphasis in what he believes that God wants to do in the summer and in the fall months. And so we are believing all the way through Rock Conference that's coming in August uh, for God to begin to do amazing things in families. Not only that, as I mentioned, Pastor Kimberly and Jerry, when we got prayed over at our Anaheim campus, oh, about four months ago, they installed us as the lead pastors here, prophesied, which is a fancy way of saying that God kind of spoke through them, not something necessarily in the Bible, but through the Holy Spirit, that whole families would be saved at this church. And I am excited for that because I believe that's what God wants to do. And God wants to help us this morning with our families. Amen? Some of the hardest people to reach is our families. I like looking at those uh, pictures of Peru, and uh, we're believing to go as a family. And honestly, there are parts of that that seem easier to me to go across the world and tell someone about Jesus. But to tell someone about Jesus that sleeps 10 feet from me in my own home can be difficult. Or to our nephews, or to our cousins, or to our children, or to our grandchildren, it, it can be awkward at times, and we can be almost fumbled over our words, but I believe the Lord wants to help us this morning to have a greater measure of heart for our families, and if you're here with a family member, then what a great opportunity for them to hear more about what God wants to do in them. Last week, we shared the first message was God wants to save whole families. We remember that? Out of Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, God spoke to Abraham and told him, and you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the calling on Abraham's life was not just to Abraham, it was to future families. And God told him that in you, Abraham, or through you, that word actually means all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. It says in the book of Romans chapter 8 that through one man's obedience, that was Jesus, the many were made righteous. Through one man's obedience, many were made righteous. And God wants to help us understand, as we learned last week, that you are the key to your family, that if you are born again, you are the gate holder. You have an access point for your entire family to be saved, that just like Abraham, through you, God wants to save your whole family, and he does it through your obedience, just like Jesus, because Jesus was obedient unto salvation, he unlocked the keys for all of us to enter into this morning. That's why it says that he has the key. He holds the key of David. 
he unlocks the city. And in the same way, you and I have much more influence over our families than we believe we do. If you're born again, if you're saved, then you have a key to your family. And God wants to help us this morning understand how to use those keys. So this morning, we're, the title of the message is What You Can Say and Do. Would you turn to the person next to you? If they're not close to you, just look at them and say, hey. Tell them, say, hey. I'm going to teach you what to say and do. Yeah, that was kind of awkward. It's all right. Let's go with it. I see people do that. It looks so cool, but I'm not good at that kind of stuff. Romans chapter 1 in verse 16, Paul says these words. I love this. By the way, Romans is my favorite book. You probably don't care, but I love the, gospel, uh, the, the epistle of Romans. Romans is written in a question and answer format. So as you read through Romans, we'll look at a lot of Romans this week and some next week. Paul is answering questions from the church in Rome. At that point, Paul had never been to Rome. He was on his way to Rome where he'd later uh, end up losing his life on house arrest. But the epistle of Romans is Paul's quintessential. It, it his, it's his A game. It's his best dish. It's his finest work. And I love to study the book of Romans as well as Hebrews. But Romans chapter 1 is so powerful. And the theme of Romans is in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And these are our verses for this morning. Let's read verse 16 and the first part of 17 out loud together. Ready? Go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul writes, of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew and also for the Greek, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The good news of Jesus Christ is more than just information that you believe. It's a life that you live, a life of righteousness in God (laughs) through Christ Jesus. And um, I know for me, sometimes I have a Bible college background and I study a lot. I'm a little nerdy on the inside. I love to study. I mean, one of my dreams is like an old table. My wife got me an old table, and I use old, like, paper, and I have, like, pencils. I try to make it look kind of hipster. There's a little kind of plan on it. And believe it or not, as much as I love the ocean and surfing and having a lot of fun and talking with people, I also love to study. I love to get in God's Word. It's just something I feel like I'm born to do. It's part of who I am as well as owning a business and having five children. and God, There's a lot I'm doing, but it's awesome. But I love to study, and I love uh, the gospel. The gospel to me is so exciting. And if we're not careful, the gospel can be just information that you and I know. But Paul says, oh, it's something that changed him. So we got to understand the context of what we're reading to appreciate the writer's passion and for us to understand what God wants to reveal and us, But Paul spent most of his life as a Ph.D. scholar of sorts. If the Apostle Paul lived today, he would be Dr. Paul with a Ph.D. in front of his name. He was a brilliant, brilliant scholar who understood the, New Te- the Old Testament, every dot, every tittle, it says. Paul was so brilliant, he, he was said that he was the smartest Pharisee, the smartest guy there was in, in regards to the law. 
But on the road to Damascus, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus spoke to him and changed his, literally turned this man named who was Saul to Paul and turned his life upside down. And Paul spent the rest of his life sharing the good news of the gospel. But not only did he share it in nice settings like this, Paul went through extraordinary, extraordinary trials and tribulations. I mean, the Bible tells us that this guy was beaten with rods three times. The Bible shows us and tells us that Jesus, if you remember, was whipped with a cat of nine tails. So in other words, it was a whip with glass on the end of it. But they would also beat and flog other people that were charged with crimes with bamboo or wooden rods with holes in them, pretty much like a present-day spanking, spanking paddle. And so imagine these long sticks that were almost like a whip. In Hawaii, they have bamboo. The tips of bamboo, if that thing whacks you, it's like a whip because it's soft and pliable at the end, but bamboo don't break. That's why a lot of people like bamboo in homes. And so when the Bible says that this man, Paul, was whipped 39 times, three times for the gospel across his back. He was shipwrecked, left for, he was left in the sea for two weeks without food. He was bitten by snakes. I mean, this guy went through tremendous adversity for the gospel's sake. And he tells us in this passage that he is not ashamed of the gospel, that the gospel is not something that he is quiet about, because it is the power of God, he says, unto salvation. Paul understood that the gospel is the most precious and powerful thing. And I want to I speak to us this morning again about our families, what God wants us to say and do, but I want to make sure we understand the gospel. I know that can sound simple, but there's a gospel out there, but there's a right gospel that I want us to understand because that's the foundation of sharing our faith with our families. It says in Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So Jesus is commissioning us as his people to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But I want to talk about first, what is this gospel that Paul is not ashamed of? It's much more than information. The word gospel or the word salvation comes from the Greek word soteria, soteria or sozo. It means to save completely. The word salvation doesn't mean just to save you from hell, though it does that. The word salvation means to save you from all physical pain, all trial. It means to deliver completely. So when we, when we say, hey, are you saved? Am I, am I saved? Well, we only understand part of it at times. We say, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die. But believe it or not, that is not what salvation only encompasses. It encompasses our whole deliverance from all things in this life and in the life to come. And that is part of the gospel message that God wants us not to be ashamed of. When God sent his son, I thought this was interesting, the word for salvation is Jesus' name. Did you know that? Jesus' name means salvation. In the Hebrew, it's Yeshua or Joshua. The name Joshua means the saving of his people. And in the New Testament, soteria, that word means to save. So I thought that was interesting that Jesus' name means salvation and that God sent salvation into the world through the gospel. And the gospel of Christ is, is not no, the normal message. Paul was persecuted for the gospel. 
it is because he spoke a gospel of grace, a gospel of God's favor. It wasn't the typical message that you and I grew up hearing, right? Hey, do good, get good, right? Do bad, receive bad. That wasn't the message that Paul was preaching. Paul was persecuted because he preached a gospel of grace, that God wanted to give you what you don't deserve because Jesus received all that you do deserve. And that is so powerful. When that gets a hold of your heart and in your life, it begins to change you. Because if we're not careful, we kind of tend to what I shared a few weeks back, that we feel that we're qualified or worthy of God when we do good for the week, right? We're excited. We're in the front row. We're singing. And if we don't have a great week, we kind of feel unqualified. That is not the gospel. I'm sorry to tell you, that is not the gospel. The gospel is that God gives us what we don't deserve, his grace, his favor, his righteousness, and he covers us and washes us, not according to our works. It says in verse 17, for in it, a righteousness, for in it, the power of God to salvation. Verse 17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. It is not only the sinfulness of man that we need to tell and tell people. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're to tell the people about sin. We, we live in a world where a lot of people don't know the good news because they don't understand the bad news. You know, you can't feel like you need to be saved if you don't feel like you're drowning. But I'm also convinced that most people know that they fall short. Amen. If I ask someone, hey, do you feel like you fall short? I'm sure most people would say yes. And again, I'm, I'm all for telling people, hey, you know, all have sinned and, you know, you got to live right. I believe in all that. But something in me in this day and age uh, feels like the Holy Spirit has been showing me that many, many people instinctively know that they fall short. I mean, the drug epidemic, the depression people face, it seems like every billboard I drive by, I drive on the freeway a lot during the week going to like business appointments. It seems like to me, not all of them, but every billboard is either pornographic, um, now it's marijuana, it's depression, it's all this information that is trying to bombard us into appease where people are. I truly believe that we need to tell people that they need to be right with God and you know, sin is wrong, but I'm, I'm convinced that people know that they fall short. I know I fall short every week. I don't need too many people telling me, hey, Joel, you fall short. What we need is a revelation of the gospel, that it's not the sinfulness of man only. It's the righteousness. It's the gift of righteousness that God wants to give people. Amen? That's a place to clap right there. No, just, yeah. It is. That righteous, I'm getting fired up. It's coming. It's not just how sinful people are. I believe God was speaking to me even in worship. Joel, I'm going to build this church not on you hammering people that they're sinful, but that there is a gift of righteousness available to them through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. God wants to give you his righteousness for your sin. And we can hear that over and over, but when that takes residence in your heart, you become unashamed like Paul. Paul was so changed. He, he finally got it, though he preached the law. And I believe that we should live right and do right, but we're not, live, we're not made that way to try to live right. We're made to receive God's gift. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 17, Paul wrote this, For if by one man's offense 
death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You see that? That righteousness is a gift, will reign in life through the one, Christ Jesus. Notice he doesn't say if you get your sin under control, you reign in life, though that's a side effect. It says when we receive the gift of righteousness. You see that? That's how we reign in life, when we, when we receive the right standing with God that Jesus paid and gives to us. That's how we reign in life. I'm telling you, it's been changing me lately. When you focus on God's righteousness given to you, it changes you. It makes you soft. It makes you tender. When you try to live up to God's standard, you will always fall short. <laughs> you will always feel condemned. You will always feel unworthy. It's hard to worship. It's hard to enter in. But when your focus and attention is on the righteousness that God wants to give you as a gift and you receive it, it begins to melt and to change you. In Romans chapter 3, I'm going kind of quick, but in Romans chapter 3, in verse 21 through 24, Paul speaks about this. He starts in verse 21. He says, but now... You see that, those words there? That, this was like news. This would be like on the front page paper. We read it like, but now, these were big words. Paul said, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law. You see that there? Is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This is, this is big because Paul said, hey, but now something has completely shifted. The righteousness of God Apart from the law, I mean, people were reading this in Rome, friend. They were scratching their heads. This made no How could you be right with God, not according to what you do? Paul says there is a new way to be right with God. Guys, I'm sharing with you about the gospel. If we don't understand the gospel, I'm telling you, we're going to have a hard time sharing our faith because that's all going to be measured on how we feel about ourselves. But Paul says, hey, there is something new. He says, but now... The righteousness of God, apart from what you do, is made available, and it's being witnessed by the law and the prophets. That's the Old Testament. See, Paul understood that all through the Old Testament, it was pointing to Jesus, the prophets, David, all these men and women that God used spoke of. There's a future coming. There's a way that's coming where man will not impu- God will not impute man's sin to them. But the people didn't understand how. they, At that time, they were sacrificing animals and killing lambs and goats and doing all this sacrificial stuff that only covered sin. But the prophet spoke about, oh, there's one coming that's going to take away the sin of the world. And Paul says, oh, I understand. He says, there's a new righteousness being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being, free, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I want to get a little nerdy on you, but notice how Paul starts with good news. Do you see that there? That there's a righteousness from God. Then he talks about sin. What we're taught and programmed to do is what? Tell people about their sin. And then talk about the goodness of God. But notice Paul says, there's a right standing you can have with God apart from your works. 
a righteousness that comes from. Then he talks about, for all have fallen short. I, that just jumped out to me, that Paul didn't start by saying, hey, you're a sinner, you know, you fall short of God's glory. By the way, there's a way to God. That's just, it, it feels heavy. Paul says, no, 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 there's a way to God. That's not according to what you do. It's according to what God has done. By the way, you, we all fall short. And it's like Paul's lifting us. He's showing us a different way. Are you seeing this? A different way to approach people with the gospel. A different way for us to receive it. A different way for us to share it with our families. That God wants to make us right with him through Jesus. And when you point people to Jesus, I'm telling you, it lifts people when you point people to their sin, it drags them down. Though God does want us to talk about sin and, you know, it's wrong and it only hurts us, I'm, I'm not convinced that's the way to do it. You can't put the cart before the horse. Have you heard that before? But I think sometimes we do that. We need to put Jesus first. There's a righteousness. I can be right with God because of what Jesus has done. And that brings you to conviction, the Bible says. It's God's goodness and kindness Romans 2, 4, that brings people to repentance. We're talking about our families being saved, what you can say and do. And I'm helping us learn that the first thing we need to do is share the gospel with people. We, we got to make sure we're preaching the right gospel. We got to preach Paul's gospel, a gospel of grace that God has come to meet his people and to save them from their sin. How to preach to your family and friends. I have uh, three points here. If you want to take notes on that, you can. I know in OSL, do you still have to take notes in OSL? All right, that's exciting. We have people in our Operation Solid Lives Level 1 class. Give it up if you're here in Operation Solid Lives Level 1. Great to see you guys here this way. Hey, it's not easy, but it's, I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. I know for me, I've made it a lifestyle. I, I love when we communicate that over the pulpit. Uh, but once again, Operation Solid Lives is not a class. A class is for your head. Operation Solid Lives is a program. It's a lifestyle tutelage. That doesn't mean everyone's going to sign up next week, but I want you to hear that Operation Solid Lives is not a class. Class is for your head. Operation Solid Lives is a lifestyle change, helping you get into God's Word daily and to pray. And I believe we're coming to the times where God is going to require that of us. If you want to live victorious, you got to be in God's Word every day. And I'm not bragging on me, but on the way here, Marco actually drives us, which is a blessing. I was about to look at my notes, but, oh, I'm in Hebrews chapter 5 this morning. So I made sure that I read Hebrews chapter 5, not to check a box, but I understand that I need God's Word. And when I was driving down, I read that about where Jesus prayed. Did you read that this morning? One of the verses is that Jesus cried out vehemently, and God heard him because of his godly fear. Man, God quickened that to me during worship. See, that's why you read and you pray and you meditate so God can flow in and through you. Anyway, I'm proud of all you level oneers. You got four weeks to go. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. How to preach to your family and others. You ready for this? The first thing you need to do is you need to believe it and you need to speak it out. Come on, somebody. You need to believe and you need to speak. You need to believe and you need to speak. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 13, I love this verse. Paul's writing, and he says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. Paul says, Paul understood that. He believed something, and he spoke it. And then look at what it says. 
and we also believe and therefore speak. Do you see that? Paul says it's the responsibility of the believer to, to believe and to speak. I know that's hard for us, but the devil wants nothing more than to keep you quiet because he understands the power. Remember that? Of right words. That was our uh, verse and our theme for the beginning of the year, as well as the hundredfold life about right words. You need to believe and you need to speak. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, it's not on your overhead. It says that we are made righteous with God through Jesus Christ. And so I've been practicing the last few days because I, I tend to miss and forget. I say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am. Joel is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All right, we're going to say it together. Ready? I want, when you say, instead of saying I, I want you to say your name on three, and then we're going to say I, then we're going to say am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus on three. One, two, three. Joel is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know that's a little awkward, but that's powerful. You need to say it over your, kids, this is not just for fun. This is important stuff. You need to say it over your life. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let the weak say, that's Joel chapter 3, I am strong. You need to believe and you need to speak. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, you've heard this before, and it says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You need to speak that over your house. It's not enough just to believe it in your head. You got to say, you got to say, as for me and my house, we will serve. As for the Ervolino and Kraft families, we will serve the Lord. That's how you begin to preach the gospel to your family and to others. You begin to believe and you declare it over your family. You say it with your mouth because your words are powerful. I'll read it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. You believe it, and you speak it out. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and for your family. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isaiah fifty four eleven. All of my children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. Now, you still have to work with your children, but what I'm telling you is part of the transformation of your life and your family is speaking the word of God over them. All of my children, we pray that, I pray that with my boys and my daughter every night. And I say, all my children, I put their name, Cameron will be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of Cameron. Jude, Ella, Harrison, I use their nicknames, not their real names. Their, their real names mean they're in trouble, so... If they hear their real name, that was like me. Joel Anthony? I knew, oh, I'm in trouble. Get over here. But I speak over them. I declare over them. You speak over your family. You declare it. Ask for Caleb, right? The little guy in the, in the tummy. He shall serve the, great shall be his peace. He shall serve the Lord. And maybe you're doing this. I want to continue to encourage you just to speak over your family. Speak over your own life. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You just keep saying it. You know, I taught you before, that's what the word meditate means. It means to say over and over and over and over, to sing it, to say, I am right before God because of Jesus. And that begins to change and shift your heart. Amen? Believe and speak. Number two, humility and kindness. 
We're talking about what we can say and do to save our families, to speak salvation, sozo, soterio, into them. It's humility and kindness. I love this New Living Translations for Colossians 4 and verse 6. It says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. I love those two words. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Isn't that good? Let your conversation, notice it doesn't say you're preaching. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will get a right response from people. I grew up most of my life in Hawaii. I was spoiled. I loved it. I mean, I lived like right on the ocean. I dove for lobsters in the evening and threw them on the fire for dinner. No, I didn't. But I did die for lobsters. I'm a little more of like a nature boy. We had chickens and roosters and no sidewalks where we lived. I I loved it. My parents were from New York City, became hippies. I was born not in a van but lived in a VW bus for two years in the 70s before we flew to Hawaii. My parents, there you go. My dad got into some ministry there but got into construction, and we were very, very blessed. God, God blessed our family. But I remember in seventh grade, I went to my first Christian camp, like a high school camp that our kids are going to. And I was not a Christian. I was more of a Christian by title. I always had a sensitivity toward God, if you know what I mean. Like when I was doing wrong, it felt wrong. I had a conscience. I just sensed like, that's not for me. But I would kind of cross the line on certain things. But I remember a, uh, my junior high pastor who became it. His name was Ka'ala Souza. That's how you know I lived in Hawaii. Ka'ala Souza. And I remember one night before bed, we did kind of like camp devotionals. So we'd, you know, have fun games, and you hear the teaching. Then we got back to the cabins, and I was on a top bunk, and I remember Ka'ala Souza saying, Joel, you know, what did you think about tonight? And I was just like, oh, I, you know, I don't know. He said, no, you know, what do you think about tonight? What was shared? And I began to share and, and, and to, to talk, and um, um, I don't want you to think I'm shy because I love to talk and all that kind of stuff. But afterwards, um, right before bed, he came up to me and said, Hey, Joel, I, I want to let you know something. I felt like God showed me that you have a gift to preach his word. And he began to encourage and inspire me. Say, Hey, what, what's going on with your life? You know, where are you from? And I had told him about some things and a few insecurities that I had, and but some things I sensed in my heart and some things that were prayed over me. And that gracious conversation, it was so attractive to me. Because he talked to me, he imparted something. He said, hey, you have a gift. And it was just like, what? You know, someone noticed me, and he began to share with me. I became so close with Ka'ala Susa. He baptized me in that pool there, and um, that was such a special time for me. And that's, that's how we preach to our family and, and friends. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. We're not just to come and just you know, nail people. We're supposed to uplift. And when you read the Bible, that's how Jesus was. Jesus never just body slammed people. I'm telling you, we have it wrong when we think our job is to just crush people about their sin or where they fall short. That is not the gospel. That is not how God does it. You first point people to the Lord and you speak to them about them. You want to get someone talking to you? Talk to them about themselves it works. Ask people, how are you doing? Hey, you know, I noticed this about you. And you build people from the inside, and then you minister to them. You know, Jesus, you know, this, and you look for ways to be attractive. Let your conversation 
be gracious and attractive so it draws people to the Lord. Uplift them. You know, speak to them about them. What, what I love, husbands, do that for your wives. Wives, to your husbands. Man, wives, if I can just encourage the wives. Man, your husbands need you. Build them up. You know, tell them what they're doing right. Impart into them. Man, if you want your man to work hard and take good care of it, you build your man up. You speak. You respect him. You say, don't, no, don't talk to him about what, what he doesn't do right. Focus on what he does do right. We had the Phelans over this week, and the day after 4th of July, we took the day off, and they were ready to come over our house because we're, we're, we're moving. We're not planning on moving. We're moving. We don't know where to yet, but if one of you guys aren't careful, it's going to be your backyard. <laughs> All seven of us. And they came, and they were ready to help us pack the house, and we wound up just having lunch and eating peach cobbler and some other dessert and bomb pops and watch the kids bounce on a trampoline. But I was just noticing Stephen. He's, he's such a good guy, man. I love that kid. Well, he's not a kid, but he's 27. He's, he's a kid to me. Uh, because I just saw some things in him and of just his work ethic and just something about him jumped out to me. I'm not saying that to put him on the spot. And I was just encouraging him. I need to do more of that with him and others. But my point is that we share the gospel with people through humility and kindness, that we're gentle with people. Look for an opportunity, a conversation. Hey, Dad, you know, I just want to thank you for being awesome. And, Dad, I want to just let you know how much God loves you. You know, you can, be, you can be right with God, Dad. It's not according to what you do or what you haven't done. Dad, even if you feel ashamed, maybe about what you, maybe what you didn't do for me, I want to let you know I forgive you, and God loves you. He wants you to be right with him. That changes people. I'm telling you guys, that changes your family. You speak to them kindly with humility. You draw out their strengths, what you see the good in them. That melts people's hearts like it melted mine. A seventh-grade kid who was nervous and awkward, Ka'ala, come up to me, hey, Joe, you have a gift. There's something God's put in you. I wasn't even following the Lord, but he saw it, and he helped nurture it. How about us with our own families or people that we love that are close to us? God wants to build our church that kind of way that we speak life into people, that we declare it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You speak it out. You believe it in your heart. You speak it out, and then you look for opportunities to have gracious humble conversations that draw people to the Lord, that edify what's in them. Do you know why? Because I already said it. People already know they fall short. You don't need to tell people they're sinning. They know it. I'm convinced of it. But when you point them to the gift of righteousness that God has for them, this will we won't have room in this church, I'm telling you. When we point people to the Lord and his righteousness, that they can be right with God. But now, a righteousness apart from what they do, that is good news. That's the gospel, and that's why we're here. Amen? Amen. Woo! I'm getting fired up. It takes me a while. I'm telling you, come back second service. I'll be here. I'll be sweating. Just The last one here, transformation versus information. I told you, a, a head reaches a head. I'm convinced of that, and there's times for that, but a heart always reaches a heart. Transformation 
versus information. I told you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. It'll be on the overhead here, the big Bible in the sky, as I call it, behind me. Verses 18 through 21, it says, Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. I have that underlined in my notes. Notice it says, Therefore, you shall lay up these words, God's words, where? In your heart and in your soul. Notice it doesn't say in your mind. God was telling the people way before the gospel came through Jesus, hey, I want you to lay up the word of God where? In your heart and in your soul. In OSL, the same thing. OSL is not a class to learn about God's love. It's an opportunity to, to lay up the love of God in your heart and, and, in your, and in your soul. Why? So that you're transformed. That's how we approach the Word of God. The Word of God is Jesus. And all back, way back in the Old Testament, God spoke through Moses and told the people, hey, lay up for yourselves the words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. The people in the Old Testament, they got it wrong. They actually put God's law on their wrist and on their forehead. About a month ago, I walked into a, um, a company that was owned by like a Jewish rabbi. Come in, he said. It was like his birthday, and he blessed me. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be blessed by a Jewish rabbi, but I did. So he got out, he got out this like leather cord. I should have brought that picture. Let's see if we can put it up next week. He brought me like he bound me up with like leather stuff and on, my, on my arm and put like the Ten Commandments on my arm. He got this thing and put it on my forehead, and he blessed me. I, just, I felt like God said, let the guy bless you. So the people took it literally, which is good, but they missed the heart of it. God's word is to be set up in our hearts, friends, in our soul. It is to be memorized, and I know a lot of the Bible, and that, that's not really anything if it's not in my heart and in my soul. See, transformation is much more important than information. You change your family, you change your life by being transformed by God's word, not by just informing people, hey, the Bible says thou shalt not, because rules, listen, without relationship always equals rebellion. When you have rules without relationship, you rebel. That, that's huge there. If you have kids, which I do, or maybe you know people that, oh, they're not walking with the Lord now, I, I guarantee you if I sat them down, they have heard the Bible about rules, but rules without relationship always equals rebellion. But when you have relationship, oh, it's different. You read God's word, oh, it's precious. He said, lay it up in your heart and in your soul. He goes on to say, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. We have two kids up with my brother-in-law now, and Cameron and Harrison are with us, and I prayed for them as I always do um, uh, last night, and I just began to share with them um, the testimony of what God has done for me. Actually, yesterday was Cameron's birthday, and his birthday request was to go bucket swimming. We have these two, like, little buckets that you buy from, I don't know, Home Depot, little plastic buckets. And I can fit in a bucket. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, and I filled these up with water. And we sat in these two little buckets, and we were just kind of splashing around. And I was, you know, I was done with my notes, and not because I prepared for a sermon, but I just said, hey, Cameron, um, 
what do you think about Jesus? And if you've met my nine-year-old, he's so cool. He's like, Jesus is awesome. Like, that's literally what he said. And I said, well, well Dad thinks he's awesome. Um, you know, when Dad was a little boy, God spoke to him. And I began to just share with him my story. We're to share our stories, our testimonies with our children. You know, it would be kind of awkward or different. I said, what do you think about Jesus, Cameron? He's awesome. Well, did you know the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short? I know that sounds a little silly, but it's like that, that's not how God is calling us to do it. I said, hey, Cameron, when I was nine, God, God spoke to Daddy. He did. How did he do that? On a letter? No. And, and we were just sitting out in our buckets, and I was, I was talking to him about what God had done for Dad. Man, that cha- and it changed me to remember what God has done. Or when I'm with my father-in-law, who's going to be part of this church, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, I'm so excited. They are gifts to this church. I mean, every time I meet with him, he has a joke that we've heard a thousand times and a Christian story that we've heard a thousand times. But guess what I do? I listen like it's the first time because it changes me and it changes him. Hearing God's faithfulness and it convinces me of God's faithfulness to me. Even though the jokes are corny, it's like, have I ever told you? I'm like, no, Dad, what was that? And I'll just sit there and because I love my wife, too. I'll say, I remember when we were in Sweden and God did this. And it, it changes you as you share your story, as you share what God has done for you. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. I'm almost done. Gray, could you come? Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9 says this. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget, listen, the things your eyes have seen. Isn't that beautiful? I underline that. And lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Not the things you read in the Bible, though that's important. The things your eyes have seen. The things my eyes have seen, I don't want to ever forget. Excuse me. Thank you, Lord. The things your eyes have seen. What have your eyes seen of God's goodness? Yeah, we read it in his word. Thou shalt... Jesus said, but I've seen God be faithful to me. And I believe I'm gifted and called to be an evangelist. I understand that. You might be sitting here thinking like, whoa, this is a little much for a Sunday morning. I just, I just wanted to come to church. You're at church. I'm telling you, God wants to see you and your entire family saved. I'm telling you, he does. It's not because this is what I'm supposed to be preaching today. It's because that's God's plan. He says, in you. All the families, your entire family shall be saved. You speak that out. You declare it. I haven't been doing it enough because I'm worried about, God, what house am I going to live in? And am I going to make enough money this month? And I understand that. God understands that. But there's also another side to my life, amen? It's the eternal side. Lord, would you help me even this week? declare things even over myself. Maybe you feel weak this morning. You're feeling, I can't even get myself going, never mind my family. Well, welcome. God wants to help you this morning. You begin to declare 
and speak over yourself, even as simple as, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You begin just to declare that over yourself, and watch how that'll, that'll lift you. You begin to speak over your family. All of my children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace, the shalom of my children. You begin to speak it by faith. And then you ask God to give you opportunities in humility to have conversations that are gracious and attractive to people. Hey, I love to do that. I mean, I've only met him a couple times, and I know it's a little bit of a smaller audience today, but meeting Martine a few weeks back and Renee back there, a couple guys, I feel like that's my dream in life is to be the American idol judge for Christians. Oh, I see it in me. And so if I approach you in the near future, would you please not be alarmed? It's not, a, it's not an act. Would you please hear me? It's not an act. I don't say stuff to you to make you feel good or to make myself feel good. It's part of my calling. Oh, I see so much in you today. God sees so much in you today. So much so he gave Jesus, the Bible said. That's how much God loves us. Even while we were still sinners, before you and I had our act together, God says, I'm that committed to you through my son Jesus. That's the right gospel, guys. It's a gospel of grace that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves, that he made us right with God the Father. You're actually right with God this morning if you've received Jesus. That's good news. Anna said it last week, this should be the hub of the city. The church, I believe, and this church specifically is going to be like the concert hall for South County. Why so? Because it should be. Because we're proclaiming the good news, and we're going to do it unashamed here. Like Paul, through hell and high water. If I got to come and wake up early and that's my sacrifice, Lord, would you forgive me even this morning? If that's my sacrifice, I want to sleep just like you. I got a job just like you. But Lord, if my sacrifice is to have some people not like me and wake up early, oh, Lord, forgive me. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, that I can contribute to your kingdom. I want you to stand this morning. We're going to pray. Man, I feel God, don't you? So good. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray a blessing over you. Next week, we're going to conclude this series. My wife's going to share about what we can pray over our families. But if you're comfortable this morning, I want you to just to lift your hands to heaven and receive from the Lord. Don't miss this opportunity just to receive of his goodness and of his grace. I want to pray over us that there would be a releasing in our hearts for the gospel, the good news. Though, yes, we have to tell people that, hey, if they don't change and repent, they'll be eternally separated from heaven. I believe in all that because that's what the Bible says. But I believe there's an anointing, a grace, a mercy that God wants to do through this church that's going to draw people by the hundreds and thousands to receive of God's goodness. Don't you sense it in your own spirit today? Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, we receive of you this morning fresh and new. Lord, your grace, your gospel. Lord, that you would lift shame that we have this morning. One first from our own lives, Lord. 
things that we've done wronged or things that we failed to do. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your blood washes us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray for just a releasing in the power of your gospel this morning, that we would be an unashamed church of your gospel, God, that we would speak it out, that we would believe it for ourselves, that we would speak it out by faith, Lord, that you'd give us opportunities to share real opportunities, God, in our families, God, Lord, that we would be a humble church, kind, God, that our conversations would be gracious and attractive, God. And Lord, that you would touch our hearts, Lord, as we read your word. Lord, help us to read it. If you're here this morning, you're struggling, just ask, God, help me to get into your word. Give me a desire for it. Not just to know it in my head, but let it transform my heart, God. May I lay it up on the inside. Lord, I thank you for your anointing this morning. You are our glory and the lifter of our head, God. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. May your Holy Spirit just confirm it in our hearts. We love you, God. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I never want to take this opportunity for granted. And he wants to save you this morning because you are not only precious to God, but your entire family is. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, as your Savior. You've heard of the gospel, and maybe you might even feel a little embarrassed, like I've been coming to church, but I always thought I had to X, Y, and Z. No, no, Jesus did all that for you this morning. He's done all the work. He wants you to enter into his finished work, into his rest. I'm going to pray just a simple prayer. You pray it with me. Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I receive him today. Need him today. Save me today. In Jesus' name.